0: Wow, I can't even say his name tonight. Uh, September 12th, 1962. (coughs) Uh, Known as the Moonshot Speech is the nickname for that. Rice Stadium in Texas. And that was America's basically declaration of going all chips in in the space war. Race. Almost called it a war. <laughs> space war. Race. What was the space race? Well, that's subject to today's topic. Welcome to Random Nerds Podcast. I'm Okio Otaku, Truck Driving Otaku. With me is my sister, co host.
1: Well, the Macario or Cat.
0: Yeah, it's like really late for us. We're we've been trying and trying and failing and failing to, uh, get this recorded, so we uh, apologize if either one of us ever start to sound a little more exhausted, that would be why, um, but, two nerds, no script, for the most part, well, I wouldn't call it a script, I'd call it notes, very, oh, hey, I know we never did in the past recordings, (laughs) do what?
1: wonder what we never did in our past attempts at this recording.
0: Oh, you never asked your question. <laughs> no,
1: we never did.
0: <laughs> That's funny you mention that because it's, uh, what is it, last time we start No, it was the time before that when we had to stop. Like, we were, we got like halfway through recording, we had to stop because I got interrupted. My truck was going into the shop. And it was ready. Like, that is horrible timing. You never... I mentioned it to you then. It's like, you can ask your question. You never did. Go for it. Where in the world
1: is the okay? Where am
0: I today? I'm doing a 34-hour reset in Gary, Indiana. I have an operating center out here. It's so nice. Better <laughs> than Chicago Yard. Which is where I'm based out of this tour. Just, ugh. hate that uh, So what have you been up to with your, your wonderful, uh, cooking? What is this that I heard you were working on recently that, uh, is the perfect tie-in for this video if only you had it done.
1: If only I had it done. That is correct. Cooking for space speech. I was... yeah. Didn't really do enough research on it.
0: My bad. Well. it's okay is that devilish grin I had last time we tried her. You told me about this. We weren't even recording yet. And, uh, <laughs> I like, hmm, it's not done yet. You know what? Let's do that as a video someday. If you ever get your speech finished, let's do that as a video at some point. So possibly look forward to that. Probably in like a month. Uh, as for what exactly the subject is, uh, so it is the Space Race as I mentioned. It is a uh, period of time between the <laughs> 19, uh, 50s and going into the 1970s between the USSR or the United Soviet States of Russia. AKA the Soviet Union and the United States, where very quick advancements in space technologies, I guess would be the best way to describe it, uh, was playing out in quite a short period of time. Specifically, we're gonna go over the Apollo 11. And why are we ending on Apollo 11?
1: It's the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. That is why, dear brother.
0: That's correct. (laughs) Sorry, she sent me a photo of the notes that I sent Black is you. Which we're getting ready to go over here in a moment, uh, and might I add that it's actually a really good idea how you did that. It makes that a little easier. Yeah, exactly. All right. Now what I oh right here in front of me. Uh, I'm going to, so to the next year. Today is um, wow! I totally forgot the month. July. 20th, 2019, exactly 50 years after the Apollo 11 moon landing. And I wish my receiver would, or transmitter would stop falling. Uh, So that's why we're wanting to end there. That and uh, Apollo 11, the moon landing was really kind of like the beginning of the end of the space race. That was the crowning achievement of the Space Race. Lots of stuff happened afterwards. Um, And in fact, even this list that I have, which I pulled off Wikipedia, if you uh, search Wikipedia for uh, Space Race Timeline, you can go through and find a lot of these. But these are ones that I felt were some of the more significant ones. Uh, so going off with the first thing on the list. Um, oh yeah, uh, I should mention really fast. The way we're wanting to do this is uh, we're going to split these up. She's going to go ahead and read off the uh, significance of various of things I have listed on here from the uh, Soviet Union. And I will be reading off the United States without further ado, go ahead.
1: August 21st, 1957. First ICBM R-7 Semyorka.
0: So, as a side note on that, ICBM is uh, short for Intercontinental Ballistic Missile. Think what North Korea has been trying to do. That. Alright, go ahead. October
1: 4th, 1957. First artificial satellite
0: Sputnik 1. That's my fault. She can't hardly read that. I wrote this and so my already cruddy handwriting is a little cruddier than normal. That, and it got Damaged by a tea lemonade mix. My cup spilled all over the floor and I didn't know it. Thank you, Chicago traffic. Uh, <laughs> Alright, so go ahead with the next one.
1: November 3rd, 1958. First dog in Orbit. Leica.
0: Butnik 2. And may late, Leica forever rest in peace. March 17th, 1958. First solar powered satellite. Vanguard 1. This was quite significant because if you think about it, what powers just about every satellite in orbit? including the International Space Station, solar panels. So it's just pretty significant there, big move. December 18th, 1958, first communication satellite, SCORE-ABAMA, that's uh, S-C-O-R-E-A-B-M-A. It was part of Project SCORE, ABMA was just the first one. I still cannot figure out what ABMA stands for for the life of me for some reason. Not sure why. But SCORE stands for (laughs) Signal Communications by Orbiting Relay Equipment. It was the world's first purpose-built communication satellite and uh february 17th 1959 first weather satellite vanguard 2 august 7th 1959 first photo of earth from orbit explorer (laughs) six
1: September 14th, 1959, first impact into another celestial body, the moon, Luna 2, August 19, 1960, first animals and plants, returned alive, Belika and Strelka, Sputnik 5.
0: So, as you can determine from, the, deduce from that, Laika did not come back alive. Um, Laika was never intended to return alive. or er, correction, never expected to return alive. Dark times. Dark times. January 31st, 1961. first hominid in space. Ham the chimp. Mercury Redstone poo
1: April twelfth, nineteen sixty one. First human space flight. Yuri Gag- Gag- Gagarin. First orbital flight of manned vehicle. No. <laughs> na-
0: the stock, the stock.
1: The stock. Oh, I thought it was always Nastok. The stock. One. Uh, um, May 5th,
0: 1961. First pilot controlled space flight. Alan Shepard. Freedom 7. December 5th, 1963. First, sat-nav system. And Navsat usn So, sat-nav is uh, satellite navigation. Uh, and USN just stands for US Navy. Um, so, think basically your GPS. Global Positioning System. This was the Earliest, uh, pretty much the primitive version of GPS. It's come a long (laughs) way, it's a lot more sophisticated nowadays. Next.
1: March 18th, 1965. First spacewalk. The. The. Lost food. Vosquad
0: well, 2 I Actually, I think if I remember right, it was Vosquad, because I accidentally put a sec- uh, that other- Oh yeah, yeah. it was Vosquad. Yeah. Vosquad. 2. I- I did say I wrote this in a rush. You did. February 3rd, 1966.
1: First...
0: Soft landing. Uh, First soft landing
1: on another celestial body. For
0: photos.
1: First photos from another celestial body. Luna 9.
0: I actually had to look this up a little bit to uh, see what specifically they meant by soft landing. Uh, I come to find out soft landing is really simple. All it is, is it's a controlled landing. Uh, So, like, for example, landing on Mars. All those uh, Mars rovers, those were not soft landings. They were not controlled. They were slowed down, and they pretty much, more or less, slammed into the surface of Mars. Uh, I think... Um, SpaceX, reusable, reusing their first stage rockets, the Falcon 9 and Falcon Heavy uh, rockets. Uh, when they come in to land on on Earth, they do what they call a hover slam. That's what a soft landing is. It's a controlled landing.
1: March 1st, 1966, first impact into another planet, Venus, Venera 3. Did I do that right? Yeah. Okay. December 21st,
0: 1968, first human crewed spaceflight to an orbit of another celestial object. The first to enter the gravitational influence of another celestial object. That being the moon, Apollo 8. And the crowning achievement of the space race. July 20th, 1969. First humans on the moon and first launch from another celestial body, Apollo 11. And what's really funny is if you actually tally these up, even though, historically speaking, the Soviets were very handily kicking America's ass in the space race. They really were. But if you tally them up, you'll see, like, uh, up to this point, um, there were 30 for the Soviets and 34 for the U.S., but if you, if you look into what each, the significance of each one of these are, you kind of go, wow, yeah, Soviet Union is really kicking our ass. First ICBM, first artificial satellite, Sputnik 1, that was a slap in the face around the world right there. Um, and it's... <coughs> Reported that's what really got the U.S. into the space race was Sputnik 1. Really ramped that up. Um, it was like Both of those were Soviet Union. First living thing in space was the Soviets. Oh. Um, U.S. You know, communication satellite, weather satellite. Most of these are satellites for the U.S. They didn't really have any real... Like, space exploration, as in terms for, like, getting humans off the planet and stuff. Um, until January 31st, 1961, with the first hominid in space in Mercury Redstone 2. And, at that point, the U.S. started to kind of ramp up and started to kick their ass some more. And then, just like... Apollo 11 happened. But, uh, yeah, so that was... And that speech with from uh, Kennedy was... Oops. It was a turning point in the American space program. Um, sadly, he would never... Sadly, JFK would never get to uh, get to see it. He was sadly assassinated before the launch of Apollo Eleven. Um, a few days after his assassination, the uh, the NASA center there. On Cape Canaveral was renamed in his honor, and is now known as the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, so that that's kind of a real quick, brief timeline. And boy, let me tell you, what, this is something that gets ah. Oh, Of course, with any major achievement, you're gonna get wonderful, lovely conspiracy theorists. And put on our 10 hats, too bad I don't actually have one. What I have here is an article from a local newspaper of mine. Uh, Tulsa World, it's uh, actually from the Associated Press and they reposted it. Uh, You may be able to find this somewhere. I'm not sure. Without needing to have a subscription, I don't know. I'll put a link in the description anyway so you can take a look at it. Uh, The biggest claim is that it was all Hollywood hoax and on some back lot and stuff. But I've got here we have some of the five most common claims and how they are explained away. Or <laughs> at least attempted to be explained away. Alright. So, uh, sis, go ahead with the first claim.
1: The American flag and photos from the moon says- flapping in the wind, that would be impossible since there's
0: nowhere on the moon? But, the facts. Yes, there's nowhere on the moon. Yes, the flag looks like it's flapping in the wind. Uh, however, rather than letting the flag droop as what it, it would have looked like, NASA decided to use a right-angled rod to keep it spread out. According to U.S. flag code, it is the only flag allowed to do so. No other flag is allowed to have a right. The is supposed to fly naturally in the wind, No wind, in space. Uh, reportedly, Armstrong and Aldrin, uh, two men who stepped on the foot, Foot stepped foot on the moon during Apollo 11, uh, accidentally bent the rod a little bit, so like, it kind of looks like the flag was in motion. Uh, They were also worried that the flagpole wasn't going to last very long, and so what they did is they stuck it in the ground, and took a picture as fast as they could and as a result that flapping is more of just movement of them trying to put the flag pole in the ground. Which fun fact, that flag, um, I believe it was that one, yeah, because they didn't want the astronauts to go too far from the, the uh, lunar module. When they took off, the flag fell over. Of course, they'll never never admit that. that. Next one.
1: No stars show up in the background of any photographs because NASA knew astronomers would be able to use them to determine whether the pictures were taken on
0: Earth or
1: the moon.
0: Here's the facts on this one. Uh, shutter speeds on the astronauts' cameras were too fast to capture faint light of the stars. Uh... NASA used the high shutter speeds to make sure the pictures weren't overexposed from the bright light of on the moon. Uh, another thing that a lot of people don't realize is our atmosphere is actually what makes a lot of the stars we see at night so bright. It's also what causes twinkling effects. Fun fact. A lot of people don't realize that. That is very true. That is a result of our atmosphere. Go out in space, they don't do that. Next one.
1: When the lunar moment. My apologies for the dyslexia moment. I'm sorry. (laughs) Haha, shut up. When the lunar module descended onto the moon's surface, it didn't scatter any dust and didn't leave a crater from the rocket blast that slowed its descent.
0: Here's the facts there. Uh, in landing on the moon, the astronauts were traveling horizontally for a while. So they were more or less parallel with the surface of the moon. The thrusters wouldn't pointed down, so they wouldn't have kicked up any dust while moving. Uh, and then, as far as act- the actual touchdown, you... Uh, If you find camera footage, because they did have camera footage uh, from outside the module, you can actually see the dust being kicked up when they actually touched down. Uh, Another thing is, as far as the lack of crater, um, as far as the lack of crater, crater, wow, I can't speak either. Um, The thing about it is Earth on the moon Earth Gravity on the moon is significantly less than that on Earth. Significantly less. Um, The uh, article I have here says it's roughly one-sixth That of Earth's. So they don't need a large powerful uh blast to land it. And it was a more of a gentle landing. Uh, Another thing was that the moon didn't have nearly as much dust. Moon dust as they thought it was going to have. Like, they had probes on the lander legs that were designed to sink into du- into the dust. Yeah, they only sank a part of the way into the ground because it was nowhere near as much dust as they thought there was. Right, go ahead. Next one.
1: The angle and colors of the shadows in the photographs from the moon are inconsistent, suggesting artificial lights were used to eliminate a set.
0: Uh, going back to the, what I said earlier, that the biggest part, the biggest conspiracy theory claims that it was made on a Hollywood set, the thing about it, though, know, is... All those bumps, craters, hills, on the moon, and anywhere, even on Earth you get that sort of effect, uh, along with the various light sources that illuminate it, uh, light directly from the sun, right, light reflected on the moon's surface, light reflected on the Earth, um, cause what look like distortions and inconsistencies. The, another thing is the astronauts' cameras used wide-angle lenses, which uh, a typical camera's angle view uh, uh, angle of view is roughly seventy degrees, and a wide-angle lens, I believe, I want to say, is one hundred and twenty, almost double, and as a result, this can distort images as well. Another thing is, uh, MythBusters did a whole episode on this several years ago, and I specifically remember this was one of the myths that they were uh, that they had debunked. And what they found out was the lighting, rigging, and everything and technology that would be required to do this uh, to create this photo in a studio backlot on Earth barely existed at the time of the recording of the Mythbusters episode and it sure as hell did not exist in any way 50 years ago in 1969, if I can find a video on that, I'll link that too. Maybe if I find it. Last
1: one. Armstrong on the lunar module was soon reflected in Aldrin's helmet Pfizer. In an iconic photo of Aldrin in his spacesuit on the moon, but there's no sign that either astronaut is holding a camera. So who took the picture? Hmm, dear brother.
0: This one's actually pretty easy to explain. Yes, um, yes it is. Cameras were mounted on their chests. If you've ever seen a space glove, what they use when they're doing out doing um, outdoor extracurricular activities in space, gloves are the fingers look like sausages. Sausages. The fingers of the gloves look like sausages. They really do. In case you should've noticed, I am wide awake. Any tools that they use have to be specially made so that they can easily use these tools with these gloves. So, as a result, they can't just easily hold up a camera to their face and take a picture. What they did is they mounted cameras on their chest instead so that all they had to do was look in that face that direction and push a button done and as a result they didn't have to hold it up uh, armstrong didn't have to hold the camera up to his eye uh, in fact if you look close enough at the picture Uh, you can tell his hands in fact appear to be near his chest right about where the camera would be hmm so here's a fact we went to the moon in 1969 with that I want to go over some of the fun stuff Now that's some of the more serious stuff and the stuff you might never have known.
1: President Kennedy didn't really care about the moon. (laughs) In public, President John F. Kennedy made soaring speeches proclaiming that going to the moon would organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. But in private, he was a pragmatic politician a more focused on earthly concerns, everything we do ought to be tied into getting to the moon ahead of the Russians," he told NASA Administrator James Webb in a 1962 White House meeting. "I'm not that interested in space. I mean, seriously, why does it exist?" Why? <laughs> <Nice. laughs>
0: <Okay. laughs> This is Okay, so this is one I already knew before I read this article. Apollo 11 crew had to hawk their autographs for life insurance. <laughs> Nobody would insure them for life insurance. Yeah. Buying insurance isn't easy when you're about to shoot into space atop a flaming rocket. Oh, my goodness. Uh, No better options. Armstrong, Aldrin, and their Apollo 11 crewmate, the lesser-known Michael Collins, he deserves all the respect, too, uh, resorted to cashing in on their fame. Uh, They had signed hundreds of envelopes and postcards, then had friends postmarked them July 16th or July 20th, the launch or moon landing date. Figuring that the autographs would be valuable enough to provide for their families if the men didn't return. Well, it's a good bet. All <laughs> 11 envelopes has sold for as much as $28,500 each. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I love this next one.
1: Yeah, I saw that, and I'm like, what? Yeah! <laughs> the lunar space suits were created by a lingerie company. Playtech, a company better known for inventing Cross your heart, bra. <laughs> that company was hired to create the suits that would protect astronauts. From the moon's airless environment and temperature extremes. <laughs> that decision led to a secret fashion battle, apparently. As Nicholas de Monshaw I have no idea how to say it correctly. <laughs> Monshau? Monshau?
0: It's like Monshau? Monshao I don't know.
1: Recounts in his 2011 book, Spacesuit, NASA managers forced Playtex- FORCE placed FORCED PLAYTEX TO WORK UNDER THE SUPERVISION OF AN AEROSPACE COMPANY. Hamilton Standard, which submitted a suit that was rejected.
0: Playtech. Wait. <laughs> okay, just
1: Playtech's employees then snuck into Hamilton Standard, snatched back their design, resubmitted it, and won the contract.
0: Here's the best part of it all.
1: Ever since Playtex's industrial division ILC Dover has designed every NASA space suit since then.
0: Oh. I've said since then twice. <laughs> yes, <you did>. yeah. <laughs> so, imagine oh. that. Like a company company known for making bras (laughs) makes the space suits for astronauts and NASA and they've done every, every ever since. Uh, Everyone, NASA officials worried they might blow up their spectators. Massive Saturn V rocket was used for the moon missions, almost shook itself apart during the Apollo 6 test flight in 1968. They knew launch pad explosion was a real possibility. 1965 though, two engineers in the agency's manned aircraft center in Houston, now known as the Johnson Space Center, calculated that the explosion of a fuel-laden Saturn V could create a fireball. 1,400 feet wide with temperatures up to 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Bits of shrapnel from the explosion might travel as far as three miles. (laughs) Uh, Just in case NASA seated Vice President Spiro Spiro Agnew and uh, former President Lyndon Johnson and other VIP guests, three and a half miles away from the pad during the Apollo Eleven liftoff. Oh jeez! Yay, explosions! Explosions are fun. Who doesn't no, like to get explosions? No, don't be like her. What?
1: Don't be like
0: Abby. <laughs> Explosions are fun. You gotta ruin the fun.
1: Aldrin took communion on the moon. What? Minutes after the lunar module touched down the of tranquility, Aldrin radioed back to Earth. I'd like to take this opportunity to ask every person listening, whoever or wherever they may be, to pause for a moment and contemplate events of the past few hours and give thanks in his or her own way. Then Aldrin, an elder at the Webster Presbyterian Church in Webster, Texas, switched off the radio, opened small plastic containers of bread and wine and read privately from the Gospel of John. The very first liquid ever poured on the moon, and the very first food eaten here, there, were the communion elements. The astronaut later wrote in Guide... Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Guide Post's magazine. That's amazing, now. cool. A felt-tip-pin uh. rescued the
0: astronauts. In the cramped confines of the lunar module, Armstrong's backpack smashed against the ascent engine arming switch. Uh, a critical one needing to light, ignite uh, to blah, 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 blah needing to light the engine and begin the flight back to Earth. And broke it off. Mission control had no obvious fix, but the astronomers were old hands at improvising solutions to tricky problems. Aldrin pulled out a felt tip pin from his pocket from the pocket of his spacesuit and quote, I uh, inserted the pin into the small opening where the circuit breaker switch should have been and pushed it in. Sure enough, the circuit breaker held. And we were going to To get off the moon, after all. uh, And that was, again, Buzz Aldrin. uh, He recounted that in his 2009 book, Magnificent Desolation.
1: Aldrin and Armstrong left their... P.C.'s in urine behind. <laughs> Shut up. Why do I have to read this one? <laughs> hey,
0: hey, hey. I did not know what order these were in, okay? <laughs> not my fault <home clears throat> you don't want to say poop and pee.
1: When you have barely enough fuel to get you off the moon, to take any dead weight with you according to NASA's catalogue of man-made material on the moon. The Apollo 11 moonwalkers left behind a vomit bag, two urine collectors, and a defecation collection device. Along with more dignified items, such as a seismic experiment and a silicon memorial disc, inscribed with goodwill messages from 73 nations around the world. In total, NASA says, the six Apollo missions that put men on the moon left behind 96 bags of human waste.
0: Kind of disgusting if you think about it.
1: No shit! Literally! I have just and I have to say that after I just went to the bathroom too.
0: <laughs> Best part is again, I didn't know what the order these were in. Mm. NASA quarantined the astronauts for fear of moon plague. <laughs> the idea was to protect Earth from possible lunar germs, even though NASA scientists seriously doubted there could be life on the moon. For three weeks following their return, Apollo 11 crew lived in a mobile quarantine unit. First aboard the USS Hornet aircraft carrier, and then at Pearl Harbor. President Richard Nixon even did a photo op with the men, their faces pressed against the glass of their sealed room. The procedures? were a bit of a sham because any dangerous microbes would have escaped the moment the returning astronauts emerge from their capsules. It's the command module lands in the Pacific Ocean and what do they do? Open the hatch. you got to open the hatch and all the germs come out. <laughs> Oh, jeez, We're going to touch up on this one here in a little bit, too.
1: President Nixon was ready for a poll 11 to end in disaster. Two days before the moon landing, speechwriter William Sapphire penned remarks for the president to deliver in case Armstrong and Aldrin died. Oddly, the speech imagines them marooned on the surface, not killed during landing or takeoff. These brave men, Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin, know there is no hope for their recovery. But they also know that there is hope for mankind in their sacrifice. Nixon would have said the letter sits in the National Archives. Kind of
0: dark, isn't it? We're going to get into a little bit more of that here in a moment. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mentioned this one earlier. U.S. flags put on the moon by Apollo astronauts are still standing. Except for the one from Apollo 11. (laughs) I, I had a feeling this was the one. I couldn't quite remember off the top of my head, but I was right. Uh, From its orbit around the moon, NASA's Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter can clearly see the shadows of the flags, along with many other artifacts of the Apollo sites, proving that they're upright. Though an exception is the flag placed by Armstrong and Aldrin, who had struggled to plant the flagpole in the unexpectedly much harder lunar soil. Aldrin later said that he had seen the wobbly flag topple when hit by rocket exhaust from the lunar module as it ascended from the surface. Entire set of Apollo flags, incidentally, was purchased at Sears by a trio of NASA secretaries who had been sent out on their lunch hour. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I can't get over that. That's funny. But, article from Gizmodo on this. We can't do everything off the top of our heads. (laughs) We try to. It's called Notes. And it failed for me. (laughs) Don't laugh at me. I heard that. I don't know what you're talking about. Ah, Well, whatever. So... I'm gonna do my best to try and pick off notes on this article. Um, this says bad things NASA thought might happen to the first astronauts on the moon. Kind of discussed a couple of them. Uh, one was oh, excuse me, <laughs> alien microbes, <laughs> which was. A sham. Um, that was something they were worried about on their return trip. Uh, something else was being stranded on the moon. How would they have been stranded on the moon? Because the, so the lunar lander is actually two separate pieces when they built it. Got the actual lander and then the return module that they were in and to separate it was a set of explosives. A one-time use could not be tested before launch. Explosives. I was supposed to separate the two parts and basically um, push them up and anything re- like the engine and fly back to the command module which was orbiting above them yeah. do what?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. for those wondering um, this is something that most space agencies try not to use anymore or, or things that cannot be tested on earth Uh, if you ever look into SpaceX (laughs) they test everything I mean I mean everything many 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 times Uh, like they don't use explosives they use springs Anything that needs to be separated is spring-loaded for them. Um, so, just something else they were worried about was uh, something happening to command mo- to, not the, the lunar module itself. They um, uh, say the system was yeah. very fragile. So uh, for how robust it was, very fragile. Uh, and but I think this narra, just a few <laughs> years prior, he used vacuum tubes and computers and electronics. Um, going back there, Buzz Aldrin accidentally broke off one of the circuit breakers. Uh, um, and, and apparently, according to what they got here, the module's lunar launch could have worked even without the pin. Um, according to Armstrong in 2011 interview, it's nice to have a little insurance. Um. Another thing was psychological problems. Uh, They hadn't seen anything wrong in previous Apollo missions. But, I mean, spend any amount of time, like, the whole thing of uh, emotional gravity of hurtling through space could have weighed on their minds and affected the mission. So... but earlier missions like Gemini and Mercury programs kind of dispelled most of that the fears alright so uh, next up here we got five terrifying moments during the Apollo 11 landing mission from uh, history.com next up uh, five terrifying moments during the Apollo 11 moon landing mission history.com here uh, well, uh, missing mark on touchdown amid multiple alarms. Uh, after arriving in lunar orbit and later separating from command module to begin their landing sequence, uh, Armstrong and Aldrin had little idea that their moon landing plans had already been modified by an overlooked effect of Newtonian Physics. Don't ask me to describe what that is. I have no idea. Uh, A couple of hours earlier, the uh, lunar module Eagle, they had nicknamed it, undocked from the command module they called Columbia. Uh, uh, Apparently residual pressure inside the tunnel... That connected the two spacecraft before undocking wasn't sufficiently vented, uh, causing the Eagle to get additional boost as it separated. Um, it was only it was slight, but about nine minutes before touchdown, Armstrong realized that they were going to overshoot their landing site, estimating they'd miss by approximately three miles. Uh, apparently not wasn't, wasn't too bad. It was actually four miles that they were off by. So, he was close. Um, the moon is littered with boulders, craters, big rocks. Which I guess it'd be boulders. So, it's like, same with Mars. Landing anywhere... Sites are specifically chosen for a reason. Uh, so... Apparently... It wasn't everything, though. Uh, the Eagles computer had, distra- had been distracting them with program alarms throughout their descent. Uh, re- mission Control was also patchy, the communications with it. A recurring alarm was being triggered by the onboard landing computer that was warning of an overload. Yay. Fortunately the alarm was intermittent, mission control deemed the risk of computer overload low, and green lit the landing anyway. They were struggling, struggling to find a new landing spot, and Armstrong found a spot and landed with only thirty seconds left of fuel in the tank. <laughs> Wanna talk about a close call. Alright, go ahead. Next one.
1: Post landing explosion? Mm.
0: More explosions?
1: As the adrenaline ebbed and the red astronauts carried out their post landing tasks Another problem was brewing. Although it had been shut down, sensors were detecting a pressure buildup in the landing engine fuel line. This could only mean one thing ice had ac- accumulated in the line. Plugging it and the packed pack- up fuel vapor was getting heated by the hot engine. Discussion between NASA and Grumman Aircraft Engineering Corporation, the company that oversaw the the Lunar Module's development, deemed the increase in pressure as a, a hazard that may trigger a deadly explosion if not remedied. So they drew up plans to vent the system. We all felt that the consequences of an explosion, even of the relatively small amount of fuel remaining in that short section of line, was unpredictable and unacceptable," wrote aerospace engineer and father of the lunar module Thomas J. Kelly in his book book. in his 2001 book, Moon Lander. Before the instructions could be relayed to Armstrong and Aldrin, however, the ice plug thawed, the gas was released, and the problem remedied itself.
0: Ain't that pure Alright, Three dangers of the moon dust. Um, now, even though the ground beneath Tranquility Base had the appearance of being free from any boulders that may have damaged the lunar module as it touched down before Apollo 11, scientists couldn't be absolutely sure that Armstrong and Aldrin would land on stable ground. What if the stuff acted like quicksand? There was also the possibility that the fluffy accumulations of moon dust covered had jagged shards of rock that could cause injuries to moonwalkers or to the lander itself. Although previous robotic missions, such as the surveyor landers, were designed to study the lunar surface as a prelude to planning later Apollo missions it wasn't until Armstrong's one small step crunched into the gray powder that NASA was sure the surface was safe for extravehicular activity, or EVA. While this may be a minor point in the annals of the Apollo program, lunar dust is no joke. Um... It's created over billions of years of meteorite impacts, and the moon lacks processes that would erode these minuscule particles into smoother shapes. And place in point: rocks in the ocean. Yeah. Apollo astronauts found the abrasive dust to be more than a nuisance. Later missions, Apollo after Apollo 11 featured longer EVAs. And there are reports that these tiny shards of rock permeating lunar module interiors, coating visor helmet, uh, helmet visors, <laughs> jamming zippers, and even penetrating layers of protective spacesuit materials. All of the astronauts complained of the problems with dust. Brian, oh wow, Brian O'Brien uh, U- Rice University professor from 1963 to 1968, who built radiation and dust experiments for the Apollo missions. Uh, the very access to the moon stirs up dust. Walking of an astronaut, the movement of a rover, stirs up dust. Dust will travel ballistically because there's no atmosphere, and it will stick to anything and everything. <coughs> Alright, just kind of lightly go over this because we already mentioned this like twice. Yeah.
1: Alien infections. Scientists are now acutely aware of the impacts of space radiation and dust on astronauts' health in those pioneering days in 1961.
0: There was some degree of. What? Yeah, you saw 1961. Oh,
1: 1969. There was some degree of trial and error. Uh, they only landed a handful of robotic landers that had touched down on the lunar surface. The landers confirmed that the moon's surface was rocky, dusty, covered in craters, and devoid of complex life forms. Uh, precautions for possible infection by alien microbes had to be taken, but only after the Apollo astronauts became infected by the these hypothetical base germs. After risking their lives, mind you, for the advancement of humanity, so we have to be thanking them. (laughs) We have to be thanking Armstrong, Aldrin, and Collins. they had the dubious pleasure of being stuck in planetary protection quarantine on their return just just in case just in case a deadly space-born plague had hitched a ride with them as soon as reentry capsule splashed down in the pacific ocean on july 24th The three of them were transferred to a more quarantine facility inside which they were transported to NASA Lunar Receiving Laboratory at Johnson Space Center where they had access to a larger quarantine facility until their release on August 10,
0: 1969. And here's something else we touched on already, too. Alternate reality. Uh, President's announcement: announcement of a mission failure. All right, bastard. Uh, This is probably the most terrifying thing of the Apollo Eleven landing. However, it didn't actually happen. Thankfully. Luckily, the ice melted. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thankfully. Uh. They found a landing site, and thankfully, the shards of rock didn't cut and tear and penetrate their spacesuits, and thankfully, all the explosives went off without a hitch.
1: And also, thankfully, there was no space plague.
0: The felt tipped. 10. Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness so uh, we had talked about the speech prepared by the then president Richard Nixon the event of missile <laughs> failure it was released to the public 30 years later detailing the White House's response should the unthinkable have happened, any number of things could have gone wrong during that pioneer mission. We mentioned several of them. So to prepare, the president was ready to address the nation when it became obvious the mission was lost. And so it was never used, thankfully. And again, it's in the national archives that it was it national archives. I said I don't remember. So, I want to do a few, uh, a little uh, side thing here. Some uh, celebrations that's happening back home in my hometown. You're in Texas, so, like, holy crap. You're home of Command Center. Like, I, I know you're not in Houston, but still, that's beside the point. Um, so uh, it's really cool my local air and space museum which never does anything really super cool they have an airplane it's an old 707 I think Boeing 707 donated to them by uh, American Airlines American Airlines has a huge maintenance base in Tulsa where I'm from Interesting is uh, there's there's people involved in this that most people don't know would have been involved. Like, NASA has a website. I wish I could rem- remember what the website was, but you could go in and see every state's... Uh, what, what they... What they contribute to NASA. Every state contributes to NASA. One way or another. There's a website that NASA has that shows what all those are. even shows you what astronauts may have been born in your state. Uh, Come to find Oklahoma has like three. I was surprised by that. Um, But I'll have some... uh, I'll see if I can find some photos of what, they, what they're what they exhibiting. Um, they're, the exhibit's on display for six months, so I will try to get photos of my own, too, and put them on Twitter. Um, but an example of one of the things they have is an Apollo command module. Is on display. And like this is really cool. Uh, the command module is one of the things that the astronauts took back into Earth. This is what they that splashed down into the ocean. It's really cool. I'll try to get some photos of that. Um something else that's Recently come up in the news is NASA sold moon landing footage to an intern for $218. <sighs> Can you imagine doing that. Ow. One of the most significant historic events in history and you sold the tapes to an intern for 218 bucks. <laughs> yeah. They're saying it can sell for several million dollars. They're uh, um, they're talking like it up to two million. <coughs> there are three surviving videotapes. Um, NASA's little blunder is going up for auction. and starting bids at $700,000. All right, it's two and a half hours of footage it is raw footage straight from NASA. It covers everything from uh, the first steps, interplanetary conversation, uh, with then-President Richard Nixon, it's planting the American flag. They were sold by accident to an NASA intern named Gary George in 1976, who purchased the set unknowingly among 65 boxes of videotapes at government surplus auction for a total of $217.77. He uh, he apparently resold most of the tapes to local TV stations for a profit but held on to three of them labeled Apollo 11 EVA. uh, July 20, 1969, Reels 1 through 3 at his father's suggestion. Um, EVA, or extracurricular activity, also known as spacewalks, His tapes captured the first lunar EVA, And more than 30 years later, he heard NASA was trying to track down the footage for the moon landing's 40th anniversary. And he took them to a videotape archivist and viewed them for the first time. That's when he realized what he had. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he watched them once more to digitize them and save them on a hard drive, which is included in the tape sales. <coughs> the, it's being auctioned off by a company called Sotheby's. Don't ask me to try and pronounce that correctly. I won't get it right. Um, and the staff viewed them once to assess their quality and they've determined that they were faultless. Holy crap. Could you imagine that? History being made. (laughs) This is last thing I wanted to talk about here because this one's kind of cool that uh, NASA did very recently. I'll post the link to Ars Technia where I found this in the description Uh, In the description and everything. But... NASA restored the Apollo mission control. Like... Down to the ashtrays, apparently. They've been working on this for several, several years. It cost several million dollars. Which is... funny because like, the computers the computing power in your phone uh, example, I have a Samsung Galaxy S8 Active these have about the same, if not more computing power in them than all the computers at, uh the admission control for Apollo 11 had. That's how far computing technologies come in 50 years. It's a lot. Um, and the best part is it's open to the public. Uh, so most of the, this costs several million dollars. Um, we're talking five million from the Houston Space Center, uh, Space Center Houston. A majority of the money does, doesn't state exactly how much. It was donated by the city of Webster, which is the Houston <laughs> suburb where Johnson Space Center actually is located. And here's a fun one: a half million dollars in funding came from the general public via Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. So, this was really cool. And I would like to come check, go check this out. They've got a lot of photos here on this article. So, I definitely go check it out this link if you check any of them. This is probably the coolest one. So, with that, uh, if you want some more in-depth stuff, um, oh good lord! What, if I remember correctly? Um, so, Tim Dodd, the Everyday Astronaut, does a podcast himself called "Our Ludicrous Future." If I remember correctly, um, and he does, he did a little more in-depth <laughs> stuff. He's a great YouTuber. Check him out, the Everyday Astronaut. His tagline describes him perfectly, bringing space down to Earth for everyday people. I highly recommend checking him out. He makes space stuff simple. He also does a lot of live streams for rocket launches. So if you've ever wanted to check out a rocket launch, um, check his thing out. So with that, uh, next subject we will actually be on track. Uh, on on track. This was a special episode. I put this. I put off. Uh, well, it was supposed to be this next episode. This episode. Um, so with that, next episode will be Harry Potter. I want to look into the uh, talk about the game medias though since Wizards Unite just came out and it just had an update. We'll talk about it later. Uh, Yeah. So, that's the next episode. We're both tired. We both want to go to sleep. So, with that, good night.
1: Night. Happy anniversary to
0: Apollo 11.
1: Happy anniversary.
0: Bye.